Welcome to Songcraft, conversations with great songwriters. I'm Paul Duncan. And I'm Scott B. Bomar. Songcraft brings you in-depth interviews with the men and women who've put pen to paper, hands to keyboards, and fingers to strings to create lyrics and music that stand the test of time. You probably know their names, and you definitely know their songs. We bring you their stories. You can hear all our episodes, check out our bonus content, sign up for our email list, and contact us directly at songcraftshow.com. Also, please take a moment to like us at facebook.com slash songcraftshow and follow us on Twitter at songcraftshow. You're listening to the opening theme from White House Down, which was composed by our guest on this episode of Songcraft, Harald Closer. The Austrian musician, film composer, producer, and screenwriter began his career in Europe playing in a band and collaborating with pop artists such as Falco. As a musician, he appeared on recording projects by Tom Waits, Jose Feliciano, Elton John, Al Jarreau, and others. After a career scoring for television, Harold eventually broke through to national prominence with his work on Alien vs. Predator and the sci-fi disaster film The Day After Tomorrow, starring Dennis Quaid and Jake Gyllenhaal. Both films were directed by Roland Emmerich, with whom Closer went on to work on 10,000 BC and 2012, starring John Cusack. Though the two films were scored by Harold, he also co-wrote the scripts with Emmerich. In addition to creating the score for the movie Anonymous, Harold served as both composer and film producer on the recent hits White House Down, starring Jamie Foxx and Channing Tatum, and Independence Day Resurgence, starring Liam Hemsworth and Jeff Goldblum. He has won three BMI Film and TV Awards for Alien vs. Predator, The Day After Tomorrow, and 2012. Harold, welcome to Songcraft. Hi. Welcome to my little office here. <laughs> it's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, while our podcast is basically focused on interviewing songwriters, we know there's a distinction between a songwriter and a composer, and you fall into the composer category. I'd love to hear your take on the difference between the two. Well, I actually kind of started in songwriting hmm. back in the day, and... Uh, you know, I think like a, a song is such a a clear shaped piece of music mm. usually. I mean, I'm not saying it's, I guess if it would take you the same amount of time to write a song as it takes you to write a film score, the song is probably not going to be great because you, <laughs> you probably try to change stuff over. Right too many times but I mean I started in songwriting and I kind of just at some point felt that I had more to say with the music than just you know the three and a half minute song thing if I would be a great singer I would be probably a song or singer songwriter right in my dream career but I can't sing so <laughs> instrumental music was my plan b basically yeah right you let the orchestra sing for you exactly <laughs> or somebody else for that right <laughs> when you were writing songs did you ever get into um did you do that professionally did you did you actually um do that as a career for a while or was that just sort of uh, as a hobby i started in my own band and uh, back in germany mm-hmm. actually i'm from austria but we had like a 
record deal with BMG in, in, yeah. in Germany. So, you know, it was kind of like a, a bigger deal for us to, 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 have, a, to have that. This yeah. was like back in the day when there was a lot of German language kind of politically aware rock right. yeah. kind of style stuff was going on there. So that's what we did. And I, I, I think I have successfully... Uh, made all those recordings disappear. <laughs> <laughs> now, did I did I hear correctly that there was some connection with Falco? Yes. In in the yes, there was. I've, uh, I, I've written two two songs for Falco. One was pretty successful on his uh, on his second to last album. It's called Nachtflug. And I've worked extensively with Falco in, in actually some of the stuff we did here. When I first moved here, he, he came to LA and we wow. worked here on, on, on his cool. stuff. Yeah. 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 But I did not write Rock Me Out of Days. Well, it's but it's interesting though, because that, that, I mean, that was an Oscar winner, wasn't it? Uh, that song... Not an Oscar winner, I think. No, no, no. You're mixing it up with the movie. The movie. Day is. <laughs> so that was a big time Oscar winner. Oh yes, so Falco was connected Falco to an Oscar winner. Was kind of loosely connected to an Oscar winner. And then I right. think he took advantage. It of, came out around hey, the same time. Of, yeah, of an Oscar he knew winner. when to strike. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, like you say, you were were born in Austria, and that's obviously a a country that has a long and and rich. Uh, musical heritage. Um, talk about what kind of music you were surrounded by as a child, and and how your upbringing kind of shaped who you became as a composer today. I, you know, back in the day when I was a, a kid in high school or in, in in even earlier than middle school, uh, there was two kinds of people going to school. There was the Rolling Stones fans and the Beatles fans, <laughs> right? I always was like a Beatles guy, mm. although I I kind of like when you look back now, the amount of songwriting that happened in that short period of you know yeah, five, six, seven, eight years, you know from 1968 to 70, I don't know five, it's just kind of like mind staggering. Yeah, how how why that happened in that time. Maybe, you know, it also had some political mm-hmm. connections because there was a movement. Yeah. yeah. Now, you know, for the last 20 years or 30 years, there hasn't really been a movement. Right. So yeah. the, the music songwriting has kind of become much less about what's going on on the outside. Yeah. Uh, Although there's, there's plenty to write about. Well, <laughs> I mean, I don't know why everybody right now is just kind of probably just sitting yeah. shock in shock yeah mm-hmm. so I, I i can't uh, deny that i'm also basically just sitting around in yeah. shock <laughs> don't yeah know, yeah don't know what to say but yeah. i hope some somebody will find the voice to so so you say you were you were kind of on the beatles side of the conversation at that time and that maybe led you into more complex musical structure yeah, definitely. Uh, the 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 aspect of the you you suddenly hear 
piano or strings yeah. in, 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 in that kind of music or just the atmospheric uh, component right. of those concept albums. Yeah, the Stones weren't going to write Martha, my dear. No, they were <laughs> But, right. you know, when, when the Beatles came out with uh, uh, Sarge Peppers, the Stones had also like a very kind of concept album which was called their Satanic Majesties Satanic Majesties Request Request Yeah Yeah. I remember there was a song on there called She's a Rainbow Yeah and that had like quite an intricate little piano you know almost like a little classical Schubert-esque kind of piece and uh, I remember you know when when I played that, that was a big hit with the girls back Yeah. Because <laughs> piano playing wasn't that hip. Right. Yeah. You would have to be like a guitar player or a drummer <laughs> right. to yeah, no, you know, be, a, be a... It's before Elton John. A bad boy. Or, yeah. 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 So yeah. that was like for me the first kind of feeling that, you know, there might be a future for, for me with my... Hmm. I, with my piano playing. <laughs> right, right. Well, and there's, there's a great leap between, you know, what it takes to, to be in a band and woodshed and write the, the three-minute songs and then all the nuances and the structure that it takes to write a film score. Where, where did that education come from for you? By doing, really. Mm. Learning by doing. I never... I got into it... I did my first TV things in, in, in Germany and... Yeah, and obviously also because the tools were being invented. Suddenly mm. you could just put your hands on a keyboard and it would sound like strings. Yeah. I was like, oh, so that's how you play strings and that's what you do with strings. And you could record suddenly a string arrangement on your track. And, yeah. and then, you know, MIDI came along and you could just go back in and edit the notes and mm. change the core. Right. And play the second track with the woodwinds and, and, and just work on it, learning really, wow. uh, learning by doing that. Yeah. Just finding what works and what doesn't. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I, I want to say that, like, I really do not want to diminish to write a, a song. There's probably nothing as complex as, like, writing these three, four minutes where everything happens at the time it's supposed to happen and, and, and the emotion and the level of production that goes into this short amount of time of music is is staggering. Yeah. Yeah. There's not like, you know, in quality, I don't think there's a difference or in, in complexity. It's, mm. it's probably more the film music gives you you have more guidance really mm-hmm. it's yeah, right. for me it's like easier mm-hmm. to write an action cue because it's kind of clear right yeah how, how that's gonna go and especially in our day and time where you usually get a movie where some editor has already put some temporary music mm-hmm. on yeah. the film. Right. Yeah. So, you know, through the years, the whole like film composing also has become a little bit 
less exciting than it used mm. to be. Mm. It, it used to be like, okay, there's this movie, and now for the first time, uh, a composer has this idea to put music to it. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, even for everybody involved, the director, the producer, that moment was a big moment because suddenly, wow, you know, this whole other dimension was added to, yeah. to a movie. Right. And now that's not the case because mm. it's already kind of been it's, there. It's already been form. there. And, you know, unfairly, yeah. those guys who put in those temp tracks, they get to choose from the best right. film scores of <laughs> right. all time. Right. right. And they can pick and choose anything, that, you know, the best of the best to put there to make their edit work. Right. And that's right. what you know, what happens. Which I would imagine, because at times when I've had to do things for like little TV projects or whatever, then people get really married to that music that they put in there Absolutely. as a temp track. Absolutely. And you're like, well, look, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, yeah. to put something in that is appropriate, but you're already really locked into this John Williams thing you put in yeah. there. <laughs> right. Tempitis. Yeah. Tempitis. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have to deal with it. And at some point you also have to give in to it. It's, mm. it's like uh you know, if somebody gives me a, to, to go again with the example of a, of an action, like five minutes of shooting, running, explosion yeah. stuff, and the editor puts this piece by, I don't know who, James Newton Howard or mm. Hans Zimmer, right. and that piece is in tempo 130 right. beats per minute, what am I going to do? <laughs> there, like when I start, I'm not gonna pick tempo 120. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Even you know, if you kind of feel that would, but but you know, this movie has been cut to so like yeah. I yeah. miss every sync point. <laughs> and, totally. And then you know when there's a little quiet moment where the guys talk. Right, it's got to And fit. the movie, and then the music goes thin and high and yeah, right, quiet. Well, what, what am I gonna do? <laughs> right, right, right. So right. you, you kind of, uh, you know, and that's you're kind of forced into emulating a certain similarity yeah. without, yeah. you know, completely ripping off the composition. But yeah. I mean, if you if you look at soundtracks today of like the bigger movies. They all sound a little bit alike. Hmm. It's, it's it's hard to say. Oh, that's that guy's style. Hmm. Or that's, right. Maybe you know John Williams was outgoing, the last of those big geniuses who. Hmm. But he definitely came from the world where you know when John Williams recorded his first cues, that was the first time the hmm. music came alive and. Yeah. There's nobody in there saying like, ah, well, let's try this with a, a, a slow piece now, right. or let's, yeah. he probably would have said, what? <laughs> Excuse me? Right. So More autonomy to, to yeah. kind of do his thing. It's, it's changed. Yeah. It's changed. It's also why I personally kind of moved a little bit into making movies and yeah. so that I get to, to be part in, in the bigger process. Right. Well, kind of going back to your, your early days when you first kind of got into it, um, you know, one of the first composer credits that we were able to find for you was from 1988, an Austrian film called Sternberg, 
shooting star. I don't know if that was your yeah. very earliest or, or one of your earliest, but tell us how the the opportunity came about for you to go from you know being a guy with a rock band to kind of somebody giving you a shot to to try your hand at composing. How did how did that come about? I kind of always knew that I wanted to 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 be in film music. I just didn't know how to engineer it, and like I mean, I wasn't exactly growing up in the ideal hotspot for filmmaking. <laughs> right, right. So I, it, it came about because I, I kind of wanted it and I kind of offered to make a demo. Mm. Yeah. So well, I, I, you know, I'll I take said, a shot hey, at this. I'll take yeah. a shot. You know, there, there was not like a lot of competition, I have to mm. fairly say, <laughs> too. Right. There, there was no film composers living in the right. area because they couldn't make a living so you people went to kind of songwriting producers who fiddled around with yeah. string right. arrangements or like little more sophisticated instrumental right. parts so that one worked out and, and then the next one and it's interesting too that how you mentioned that you know because of technology i mean you were able to start you know, working with MIDI and, and doing things with keyboards that people would not have had the opportunity to do in previous generations. Because, you know, at one point it would have just been, well, your only tool to work with is an orchestra. And it's exactly. when you're a kid, you can get your four friends and, and learn how to be a rock band in the garage. But it's kind of harder to drum <laughs> up an entire orchestra to, yeah. right. <laughs> to work with. Uh, let alone to tell those guys what to play right right, right. like in a band you can say right. well okay you like you know play like a shuffle right like, um, right. Um, right right in a band when right. in an orchestra when you right. say to the guy like can you improvise a little like, like uh, <laughs> right what are you talking about <laughs> that's not how yeah. it works right that's not how it works so <laughs> it's 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 uh that's actually you know a really uh crazy experience when you when you first time work with an orchestra, I remember I was here in LA and I never done it before. And I think it must have been the like the, the day of my life where I shit my pants <laughs> like five times before I walked in. And then obviously a lot of stuff didn't sound the way you thought it was going right. to sound. And yeah. I sat there and I was like, oh my God, this is shit and everybody's <laughs> gonna find me out yeah so, uh, yeah and and it was shit so <laughs> it's just you learn right and uh, it would be unfair if you just walk in and right and, and write like john williams or, i mean well, you know one of your early films that met with a lot of acclaim uh was a 1997 german film called comedian harmonists um, or just the harmonists in yeah. its English title. Yeah, and it, yeah. uh, it won a number of awards in Germany. It's it's a powerful story based on a musical group formed in 1920s Germany, and what they eventually faced in the Nazi era. Uh, several of the group members were Jewish. Um, how much are you drawn to working on a project based on the subject matter? Uh, yeah, I mean, if I think every everybody would love to only work on a project based on the subject matter. Yeah. I like that was, you know, such a great movie and a great story. The the music 
didn't didn't really have to do much mm. other than just you know support like literally underscore yeah what's there and it's it's really hard to make something better than it is mm. with music mm. it somehow has to be there already yeah and then you can shine the light on it with yeah. music yeah or maybe sh shine a, a moment on it that the audience might not see right without the music if you want to hint on oh this guy might be having an agenda you can do that in music right right uh, but i remember seeing that in uh watching a clip of halloween without that uh, john carpenter yeah. haunting theme in it and it the scenes weren't as menacing yeah. without that little tinkly piano thing in there and you add that in you're like Ooh, i'm supposed to be scared now <laughs> yeah. right right and at the same time you know you have to like really my but that's like my take on it you you cannot make something scary if it's not scary right. by itself right. already like you know i've been sitting with these films also in my career where everybody said well you know the music like you have to make it scary now and and this dude this is not scary <laughs> it's not scary <laughs> it's not on the, it's not right. on the like yeah. you or you know emotions make it sad if right. it, if, if it's not on screen right mm. it's i mean I, I don't know any yeah it's like you can enhance it but you can't yeah. create it you cannot create it's, it. it's like overburdening the music almost yeah. to ask for and that. then you know that's those are the movies where the music kind of separates from mm. the picture mm, yeah. you suddenly sit in a theater and you hear the the music and and the movie separated <laughs> yeah right and that's usually not a not a good thing yeah, for right. film yeah. that's music. interesting we talk about you know sitting in a movie theater and and in the early part of your career we we see a lot of tv work you know you you worked on biopics of Rudy Giuliani and Muhammad Ali. You did a, a TV movie called Deliberate Intent in, in 2000. Um, television and film are obviously such very different mediums. You know, you know when you're doing something for television, people are going to see it on a, on a small screen. You know, the, the volume even is going to be different. Mm -hmm. It's a very different experience to, to sit in a movie theater and it's, it's bigger, it's more grandiose. Um, how do you kind of... Or, or do you approach that differently if you know you're working on something for the small screen versus a major theatrical release? Do you approach that process differently at all as a composer or is it all kind of the same thing for you? That's a, like an interesting question. Obviously, when I had my first kind of audition meeting for, for a TV movie, about Lee Harvey Oswald at Warner Brothers on the lot and I walked in and I I had also made a little demo ahead of time and I kind of demoed two pieces and the guy was listening to it and he he said to me, Well, this is way too big for, for the small screen. Hmm. Hmm. And I was sitting there and I thought like, Well, aren't you glad? Yeah, thank you. It, <laughs> makes your small picture yeah right look bigger right but as you as you said that's not the case and so you you learn that 
Right. Mm. After a while, you learn it. It's it's difficult to learn. Mm. I have to say, it's almost like it's almost like uh, you know when a, a band tries to switch genres or something. It, yeah. It, it, yeah. it is a it is a very it's a thin line that makes it different. It's yeah. it's not the you write differently or it's that always goes without saying that you need to hit the right chord or the yeah. right mood but obviously the the, the tools hmm. you you do it with that, yeah. that's kind of what makes the difference yeah yeah oh well i've come to just when i do like a movie i first kind of just think about what the ingredients hmm. are you yeah. can you can create any kind of sadness or court like or tension or suspense that's based on the chords really right. and, and, yeah. and chords and melodies and texture who who does what but but obviously, if you do it with a hundred-piece orchestra and, 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 and you're dealing with a, a little story in rural Texas, right. Right. then that might not be the right, right. ingredients. Sure. might still be the right composition. Yeah. Right. But, but it yeah. might sound better on a little T-Bone Burnett kind of exactly. type in, tremolo yeah, guitar. It might sound better if you play it with, with a banjo and a pedal steel guitar yeah. and, and, and one cello or one yeah. kind of string so that's that's a pro that's just a process that's that a kind of nice to... little band you just described <laughs> pedal steel what do you say a pedal steel a banjo and, and a, a cello i like that it's kind of nice yeah. <laughs> might have created something that's, that's me thinking <laughs> yeah. about the chords <laughs> right and right. a melody yeah. right and some kind of tempo <laughs> right that's great right um so we just got a little lesson right here without even knowing <laughs> um well moving ahead a little bit from those really early days in 2004 you compose scores for two big-time action films, Alien vs. Predator and The Day After Tomorrow. both of which earned you a BMI Film Music Award in 2005. Um, you know, it, moving into scoring these big Hollywood blockbusters, not only is that a, a change in terms of budget and scope, but in terms of content, you know, these films weren't the, the biopics, but they were, uh, you know, big action films. You know, and this is uh, similar to the question that we, that we just asked, but do you find yourself going to kind of a different bag of tricks when you're going to kind of, you know, portray a big action film versus... Quite, and I, I think I'm asking uh, melodically as well, not just in terms of um, the instrumentation you would use, but in, but in yeah. terms of the actual structure of the music itself. I mean, definitely, if you if you score a movie that's so clearly so much bigger than reality, yeah. right? You get to exaggerate a little bit, and mm. you're then you get to do these big epic, you know, kind of themes that would be ridiculous if it were 
right. over a small right. story. Right, right. So that would be like, whoa, like a persiflage or like, you know, like a skid almost. So you get to do, you, you, you then get to do those things. And I'm, I was always not afraid of that. That's maybe because my my hero in film music always was uh, uh, Ennio Morricone. Mm. Oh, yeah. And that was just all based on these like crazy, like big, massive melodies. Yeah. Of, of, yeah. Yeah. All those spaghetti those westerns. westerns. Yeah. 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 The, and, and they were like, it, that, that was like my, uh, that was, that was my hero. And still mm. to this day, I think Ennio Morricone is one of the, the composers that kind of influenced everybody just as much as uh, as john williams did yeah that's for sure well it's yeah. interesting you, you know like the band metallica still walks out to the theme of the good the bad and the ugly that's like their pre-show music <laughs> there you go. and it's a larger than life band it's right. a larger than life experience that's kind of what they want the tone they want to set that's right <laughs> yeah. yeah that's right well speaking of larger than life you know you have have really worked a lot with roland emmerich and um the day after tomorrow of course was was one of his films but he does big movies. I mean, Independence Day and, and Godzilla, he does movies that are a spectacle. And I would imagine that as someone who's a composer, it's like, it would be like a kid in a candy store. You get to, you get to do these really big, elaborate scores. Um, talk about how you kind of first got into uh, to working with Roland and, and what it is about your relationship that, that works so well. Well, we started as friends mm. first, where he was basically... In the on Mount Olympus, and I was on um, <laughs> Blueberry Hill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was in the Austrian mountains, right? <laughs> and uh, when I did these TV m- movies, at some point Roland watched one of them, and, and he said, oh, "I saw your movie yesterday. I think it was one of the ones you mentioned." And he said, well, wow, you're, you know, I didn't know you. I saw you did just like songs and stuff. Mm. And he asked me to do a demo for one for a movie he produced, which was the 13th floor. Mm. And, and I, I made a demo for that. And, yeah. and I got the job. Roland tells me they had like three demos and, and he didn't know who. Oh, really? Like a blind know, test? They had a, they also had a demo from his composer of independent, like uh, um, David Arnold. Right. And my tape was in there and, and somebody else's, I can't remember. And then somebody that called me up and said, ah, oh, you know, you got the job. And yeah. That was like the biggest change in my. Yeah. That moment kind of was the big change in my career. And yeah. After that, I thought I got it made. Now <laughs> Roland is gonna ask me for his next big movie, which then was The Patriot. Right. And he did ask me to do to make a demo, which yeah. I did. And then I didn't hear back for like. Six weeks, eight yeah. weeks. And I thought, like, fuck. <laughs> uh, and, and I got pissed at him, too, because we were friends. Yeah. Right. 
And he says, dude, just call me up and say, I didn't like it or, or something. Right, right, right. <laughs> but he kind of never mustered up that, you know, courage to just pick up the phone. So I got really like pissed and, and, and then we didn't talk for like almost a year after wow. that. Wow. And then, you know, the Patriot came out and John Williams did the film score. So I thought like, okay, I mean... At least it's John at Williams. At least it's John Williams, <laughs> right? And uh, I ran into Roland in a restaurant and he came up to me and, and he said, hey, uh, can we talk? And I said, yeah, sure. You have my number. I was still like, mm. you know... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, and then he called me and we had a dinner and he said, hey, I have to tell you something. I still like the demo you did for the Patriot better than what we actually ended up having. Mm. And I said, no, come on. <laughs> and he said, then and there, I want you to score my next big movie. It's going to be the day after tomorrow. And can we do a handshake here? And we had a handshake and a big hug. And, wow. you know, and I was like, like teary eyes yeah, and we yeah. made up and, yeah. and then yeah. ever since then we've, I've been working with him and and during the making of uh, the day after tomorrow I I had a few of these scenes where exactly what I said before was the case that it wasn't scary because it's not mm -hmm. like right and I got a little bit in trouble with my score because people said, well, you know, the music has to make this more tense. And right. at some point, you know, I, I said to Roland, and again, you know, I was in my studio. I took the movie. I cut some shit differently, right. edited the picture. Right. A whole sequence. <laughs> right. And put music on it and... and, and said to Roland when he came and said, you know, you can now shoot me. <laughs> but look, this is why it didn't work. And now it works because this, yeah. if you already know that this is going to happen or that then it's not going to be tense. And, and I played it to him and he actually was like just quiet for a while. And then said to me, uh, <clears throat> can you give me that on a on a quick time or on a tape mm. yeah i'm gonna take this to editorial and, and, wow and so <laughs> that the editor was like so hey the, thanks a yeah, lot yeah, we're really good friends the, the, the editor david Prenner, is one of the best top, top right. notch guys in the world uh academy awards and, and everything yeah so but at that moment he was a little yeah, like, ticked off <laughs> right. to say the least. But <laughs> but then Roland came back to me, and, and, and there was another moment in the movie, in in the day after tomorrow. Later in in, in the film, towards the end, where where he said, "Well, you know, here it has to be emotional and the thing and blah blah blah." And it was again a little bit counter what was on the picture mm. because it yeah. kind of was resolved in a different way nobody ever obviously saw that version of the movie but then again I came to Roland and said well 
if you want that to happen, you would have to have like some kind of a speech or something mm. that connects it all. And right. you would have to have somebody, you know, bringing it all together that over big images, you can then play a big theme where, where you can soak all of the emotions yeah. in. Right. And uh, it was again like, uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, well, I mean, for example, if the guy, the bad, like the bad guy who then becomes president in the end of the mm -hmm. movie, and if it becomes kind of like a good guy, if you could see that, if he had had a speech about, you know, I was wrong, and we we have to take care of our planet, and right. I don't know. For people who know the movie, yeah. Americans ended up in Mexico. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember that scene of all the people going across yeah, the yeah. Rio Grande and stuff. And uh, and if that guy would say, you know, we we're guests in a country where we haven't been friendly to these people when yeah. they come to us and stuff like that, and, and he he said, well, I, what are you talking? That would mean I have to reshoot and da da da. And I said, well, I'm just saying. <laughs> and then he said to me, well, what, what would that speech be? And I kind of said, okay, I'm going to think about it. I'll send you an email. Mm. And then I, I, I went home and kind of wrote the script, like the words for the speech mm. and sent it to to Roland again <laughs> and this time the writer obviously mm -hmm. was slightly ticked <laughs> off but it, it all basically ended up in and, and Roland graciously always gave me credit on the press tour he said you know my composer made us do this and right blah, blah, blah. And, and, and this ended in, in in the situation that after the day after tomorrow Roland kind of came to me and said hey you know you're really talented writer in a way and we should write something mm. together mm -hmm. and then ever since then we kind of wrote movies together yeah well that that was going to be my next question because that's that's a really interesting jump i was just sort of like looking through you know doing the research and seeing the credits and it's like okay composer 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 and then all of a sudden there you are a writer on movies like 10,000 bc and 2012 a year later um is that something you ever saw happening? No. I mean, <laughs> that was like, when that happened, I was, I thought like, this is it. Now, basically, I get to decide which movie I want to score by writing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was like in 10,000 BC, that was like, that's how it came to pass really 10,000 BC because I thought like wow how great would it be if you if you could write a score with prehistoric instruments like mm. that was my first kind of approach for 10,000 BC I, I, literally when when, when wow. I started I said okay we're gonna build our own instruments we're gonna only do this with stuff that could have existed so bones? 10,000, yeah, <laughs> bones and big, you know, horns, flutes, whatever. Wow. Uh, obviously drums and... Yeah. And uh, I mean, that's not the way it turned out, turned out to be like a 120-piece orchestra. Right. <laughs> right. And some, 
some obviously uh, elements of ancient yeah. uh, instruments because it's it's just almost undoable. Yeah. Now it's kind of doable if you look at movies like uh, Arrival or hmm. it's or or also uh, the gone girl or mm. you know the, those those scores where people can now it's kind of accepted back in in the day it, even today i mean it, it would be hard to score a, a tempo four quadrant movie that has to open yeah and that has to make like half a billion dollars <laughs> right right to, to score that like completely out of the box yeah right. yeah in the days of 10,000 BC that was like no question it was yeah, like, yeah. we gotta have the familiar big right. movie right well yeah it seems to me and you, you can tell me if I'm talking out of, out of my head because this is not my world as much but it seems like I'm seeing a lot more space and silence in movies nowadays even in scenes when you would normally think there, there would have to be music, music here you, you see like fight scenes and things which normally would, would have been accompanied by some sort of yeah, all you hear now is the sound of a fist hitting a face. Huh. There, there is definitely a trend to less music in, mm. in in movies. Like when when we scored uh, Independence Day Resurgence, the last mm -hmm. big one, we ended up taking out quite some cues in the end, mm. where studio or ourselves we kind of felt like ah you know let's let's hold back let's hold back let's play with sounds let's you know mm. also the the possibilities of sound design are now so crazy yeah that you end up fighting with each other if mm. you if you have both yeah for too long yeah right that's interesting. So you know, I mean, there's a there's only twenty thousand hertz, right? Yeah. Where hmm. you can do something. So yeah. if a tank and five choppers, they kind of fill the base <laughs> yeah. spectrum already. So yeah. it's then you kind of just have to fill in where where there's even still a little space in yeah. the where you can make a difference or you can be heard. If, I've I've written many a piece that if I would have played it to you here with the image of mm -hmm. the movie, you would go like, "Oh my God, wow, this fucking rocks!" Yeah, yeah. And then when you bring in all the sound design and all the things, you you have this just overwhelming wall of yeah sound where the music is actually can be counterproductive to interesting to the movie. Yeah, yeah. Did did getting into writing and and actually doing some scripts yourself and and creating the actual stories in the films other than the music did that change your perception as a composer did it almost give you a more of a sensitivity to that type of thing in terms of space and 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 you know serving the the story first Yeah I would definitely say so yeah mm. that was a big change for me to you know, be the, like, I was like the go-to guy who, the writer and the producer who had to say, I think this is cool now, I like this. 
and usually it would be like the composer does something he plays it to the director or writer or producer and they give him feedback so between Roland and me Roland was always like ah music that's you right yeah he would obviously listen to it but if he liked it or if I said hey I really you know I I like this I think it's great if we do this here he 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 wouldn't fight me on it or anything so it was a, a weird like transition from being this guy who brought in his music and mm. then some guys listened to it and then some guys said uh, well you know what did we have in the temp there i think i like that more or yeah you know yeah. first thing that i could do being a producer i could walk into editorial and say guys we're editing without temp music okay mm. wow <laughs> no 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 that's what we're doing and i'm gonna if we need temp music i'm gonna put the temp mm. music yeah because yeah. then at least i can put what i think yeah something along the lines that i actually want to do in the f- finished right right that's product. a great so, scenario the way you describe that i mean yeah i mean that was, a, a that was like, also that is like totally unusual yeah. there is not really a, at least i don't know of any film composer who has written well and it, produced a movie of that magnitude it's funny because the, the the way you initially described the way that happened is is kind of like a common story where you say well there should be a speech here and the director says well you write a speech you did write a speech and you wrote a great one <laughs> and now you're a writer yeah. <laughs> there you go right, right. So, <laughs> that actually worked out really really that well that worked well yeah. <laughs> when, when, but even like if I just can yeah finish this thought even you know in that moment, my job as a composer became so stress-free. Mm. Yeah. Like, oh, I have no fucking editor who puts <laughs> Hans Zimmer from A to Z. Right. <laughs> right. And I, 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 I do, you know, appreciate Hans's music a yeah. lot. I think he's one of the really good ones. Yeah. But, wow, really? I get to go and say that? Yeah. We're not putting uh, any temp music in here right now. Yeah. Right. Just edit it so it plays like it rocks like in the old days. Right. Yeah. So that the movie plays without yeah. you cutting here because the music has a big mm. boom here. Right. And that's when you cut. Just cut it right. Yeah. Right. How yeah. it feels. How long do you have to be on here? And, and then I can look at it and then I see a tempo in yeah. the... That's wow. how in the old days, right. composers came in, you looked at something and you, you went, so what is this? Hmm. Is this like, pa, 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 or is this like, ta, ta, yeah. ta, ta. You kind of figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, films are going back a little more to that. Really? Yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, again, like films are now becoming less cartoony hmm. in score. There's still obviously, you know, the Thor and, Right, right. Like Marvel movies that have that kind of the score following the action. And yeah. the Star Wars movies will probably always have that because that's just part of the character. Of that it's part franchise. of the, the way the movie, yeah. But even the Star Wars movies now have a little less of that. Mm. If, you, if you watch the latest Bond movies, for mm. example, where that kind of all stopped that, you know, the beam and the yeah. punches are yeah. scored and the jumps and the things and the right. falls. So that's, I think that's a great thing that that yeah. goes yeah. away yeah. because that 
takes a lot of work mm-hmm. and takes a massive toll on the quality of the piece of music because you end up with this utility mm. thing yeah, that yeah. serves to hit here and then serves right. to hit here and then goes quiet here and, right. and hits this thing and this movement and that you know so yeah, yeah. that's that's a great mm. uh, development that I see well, you talk about a movie like 10,000 BC where you had almost the musical idea first, even though it, it kind of obviously transitioned into you know something different mm-hmm. in the end. But when you are working on something like, you know, I know you did uh, White House Down for Roland, you know, that's something where you have this, you, you have this very specific locale of, of the White House or Washington, D.C., and maybe that that brings up very, you know, specific thing in, in one's mind of, of what, you know, what that evokes or whether a movie is set in a jungle or, or in a city or whatever. Um, do you typically try to go and, and write things specifically for instruments or, or for a vibe that would fit that very literal geographical kind of location? Or does it just kind of depend on, on the mood of the film, you know, overall? Yeah, I mean, I guess if you if you write a story that plays in India, right, it's almost like unthinkable to not unpack maybe some right. flavors, especially you know if 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 you're in commercial movie making land, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, but. Uh, as I said before, it's like you you kind of know how the how the the amount of seriousness sounds or the this thing is a different kind of sadness if right. the dog has died or <laughs> if you know people march into a gas chamber or mm. right. So those are like the tools of the writing in a way. Yeah. And then the rest is, is what I call like the ingredients. You you go mm. like you, we talk and we say, okay, this this is not gonna have a lot of this. We're gonna try to do a lot of synth percussion, right. sequence, tempo stuff, or you you kind of feel how like when you cook a dinner at home or something. Yeah. You know, like okay, let's buy the get the ingredients for mm. for this food and if it's rich and heavy you know thanksgiving you buy you work with different ingredients right. yeah, when, makes sense and a movie like white house down obviously has such a clear setting where you you know you can't really reinvent mm-hmm. the wheel mm. there you know if you see independence day or 2012 where 
you know, you, 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 you have people cracking up every 10 minutes, you have a big laugh between right. the end of the world where mm. right, millions right. of people die. So that's a, that's actually, a, you know, a, a genre that Roland somehow invented that yeah, didn't right. exist before. It was right. either, it was either, you know, the action comedy, right. Or it was, you know, full metal jackets. Yeah. 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 So he, he kind of created that and I love that. And I, mm-hmm. but, which already pushes the music into a certain, right. Yeah. Right. Kind of boundary of this is, Right. what you can do here yeah yeah you know mentioning that sort of uh, the, the invention of that genre i mean i think a lot of people might point to the original independence day as as kind of maybe roland's first and biggest you know foray into that's that that's the one yeah um and so well 2016 brought that that title back to us with uh, independence day resurgence um when you're scoring something like that do you feel um sort of a, a compulsion or even a pressure to revisit the musical themes of the original Independence yeah, Day, and, did. and is that something that you that you like doing, or do you kind of wish ah, I wish we were starting from scratch? Or that was for me when it became clear, and I, I was producing the movie, so we decided to go back to the old themes and uh, play homage mm. to them whenever you know. I was kind of trying to whenever the Old Bloom and Bill Pullman, the guys from the first movie, were doing their stuff. We were kind of reprising those mm, yeah. those themes, but it, it was difficult, I have to say, yeah. to, mm. to, to to do that. And and I think it came out really well because we were not uh, we were not divas. Mm. It was like. Okay, you know, da da da, da dee dee da dee da da. Well, this has to go here, okay? Yeah. So let's let's do it and let's yeah. make it great and you know let's do it. It was, but but you had to say goodbye to the to your own like you know pride or I want yeah. to redo yeah. this yeah. now. And it actually turned out I was actually really happy. I, I David Arnold and I had a little you know, exchange and I said, hey, you know, your score of the first movie was so dead on. I mean, yeah, there's, there's nothing to be reinvented here. <laughs> so right. we're going to try to make your stuff shine. Yeah. 20 years later in a different way, different yeah. arrangements, different, you know, things. Yeah. Right. But it, it, obviously could only be done with that mindset of, yeah. of yeah, yeah. If, it, if it if it would have been my first composing job or music gig it would have been a little hard on the pride probably yeah hard <laughs> on the hard on the pride and, and and yeah obviously who wants to do that right, yeah. right. i mean right that's a that's a different <laughs> almost a different job really yeah. right right you know being people who are not obviously involved in in film scoring ourselves, you know, sometimes you almost take for granted uh, a score of a film. It's almost like if it's if it's really good, then you almost don't notice it because it's serving the film and it and it's doing its job. Um, sometimes when I notice 
music, it's because the music is not working. And I go, oh, well, this seems odd. Um, but for those of us who maybe don't have the, the professionally trained ear, um, when you watch a film, you know, what are, what are the things to someone in the know like yourself, someone who is a professional composer, what are kind of the markers where you go, oh boy, this is an amateur, you know, this is, this is a real clunker. <laughs> well, it's exactly what you said is, uh, everybody who makes movies obviously enters a theater and when the first thing comes on, your brain goes, oh, nice titles. Oh, great. Oh, great edit camera. Great. Mm. If you do not forget that after five minutes, right. you're watching basically a bad movie. Mm. <laughs> right. Because like if, if the story is compelling and if it if if after ten minutes I'm still listening to, oh, what is he doing in the score there, blah blah yeah. blah, 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 then you know, then I'm Yeah. Then then I'm out. Yeah. So I'm I once left to say the movies usually I go as much as I try to see oh I'm wondering now what how he did it I usually know who, who scored the movie yeah. but, but then ideally you know after a few minutes I just become a, a guy in a movie theater yeah. and, stop and, thinking and about stop it. thinking about it and at the end go like wow well, you know the camera was really good huh and, and yeah. but if in the movie you see these camera moves right and it, it goes for everything it goes for editing it goes for obviously yeah over-the-top acting or everything if you start notice if I start noticing editing in a in a movie an hour in then the That's editing <laughs> or the story is better it, like you said if you start noticing mu music suddenly yeah separating from the from the story that's why yeah. you start noticing it yeah yeah and then you know there's the occasional every five years where you know this music just because it's so fucking great and yeah. you're sitting there with you know goosebumps and yeah. yeah there's this piece of music filling the room and you're emotional and yeah and, and mm. you but that's rare that you right. know in a movie story you, the music kind of registers yeah. yeah with a positive flavor right to, right to it yeah usually when that happens it's like oh this is weird <laughs> right it's almost like coming back to paul's first question of what's the difference between being a songwriter and, and a and a film score person if you're a songwriter and you do your job well everybody should notice mm. and if you're film score and you do your job well nobody should notice it's it's a very ironic thing of like a job well done no one noticed it's, yeah it's very interesting you you, you obviously uh you notice it in the collective feeling that you walk out of. Right, mm -hmm. right. You, like if you see a great movie, you also walk out with this, wow, the music was fucking great too. Right. Yeah. But not in the moment. Right. Right. You're right. Yeah. Not yeah. in the moment usually. Well, we're fans of, of what you've been a part of, the movies oh, you've made. So thank you, so thank you for taking the time to sit and talk with us today. We appreciate it a lot. My pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for listening. We'd love to stay connected with you, so please sign up for our email list at songcraftshow.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. You can find us by searching for Songcraft Show. And we look forward to getting together again with you next time for Songcraft, Conversations with Great Songwriters.